Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of Wedding Romance is brought to you once again by the Book Riot Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, although they are not linked to any specific year. That initiative began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up past over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. You can indulge your inner book nerd by reading a book about books. You can get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. You can find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press and so much more. Each challenge includes inspiring quotations, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that will fulfill the challenge. So just go to bookriot.com slash readharderjournal to buy one now. Hello, and welcome back to Win in Romance, everyone's favorite place to hear about romance things and stuff and books and people, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I'm sure. Jess. And I'm Trisha. And why not? Books and things and stuff and people. Characters. And stuff. Sometimes yeah. those, those people are called characters, and I think it, that that's very real. <laughs> Absolutely. And hey, hey, Trisha. Yes, Jess. Happy Potiversary. Oh my gosh, it is our potiversary. I was going to wish you a happy birthday, and then I realized that that's actually really confusing because my birthday was last week and yours is in June, and that none of that would make any sense. But yeah, this is our first anniversary. We made it through a year. Yay! How great I mean, is that? Yeah, we should have like gotten cake or champagne or something. I'm drinking tea. I'm Well, I'm drinking wine, but, you know, there's no cake. So, you know, I figured a glass of white wine would be nice for, uh, for the potiversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note, if you have not, like, I don't, I mean, nobody give this idea away. Just keep it to yourselves. If you have not copyrighted the word potiversary, you should. <laughs> I'm just saying, something to think about. Something, something to, to think, think about. Yeah, keep that in mind uh, for, you know, when the patent office is open again so um we'll see but yeah we're excited so yeah this is very fun i can't believe we've been doing this for a year it has flown by yeah and we have all of these new resolutions we have lots of well we have lots of exciting things to talk about unfortunately one of the things that we're going to be talking about feels like we talk about it all the time but we should probably do an ad spot before we we start to revisit the same conversations with a new tilt that we had in 2018. Absolutely. So, uh, pucker up, romance lovers. Avon is launching a weekend-long KissCon event featuring over 30 of your favorite Avon and Harlequin authors, because they do have the same parent company. Um, KissCon will feature writing panels, author-reader interactive events, and games, Lively discussions, a movie night, and a giant multi-author signing. How awesome is that? It's it's it's, it's awesome. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be in Chicago at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, um, April fifth through seventh. And l- listen to this: tickets start at seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars. That's just that's an ideal price point for something with that much stuff going on over the course of an entire weekend in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've talked a few times about um, romance conventions before and yeah, that's a lot of very fun stuff. A lot of really fantastic authors. And like you said, $75 is about as well as you're going to do for something like this, which is pretty great. Absolutely. So once again, that's KissCon. Um, you can find that online, um, read about it on Facebook 
and Twitter. Um, following Avon, Avon Books on Twitter and Avon Romance on Facebook and on Instagram, also Avon Books. So they've been talking it up. Go check it out. Um, it's going to be a pretty awesome weekend. If you go, tell us about it. Yeah, I don't know. I might have to reevaluate my plans for that weekend and make my way up there. That sounds pretty great. But <laughs> we'll come back to that. We'll talk more about that later on. Everybody Absolutely. stay tuned. You can go <laughs> register at kisscon.org and then feel more in the loop when we talk about this again later on. Um, so uh, our first conversation, as I mentioned, Jess, unfortunately feels a little bit similar to some of the conversations that we've had in the past, which just is kind of related to some of the, you know, general inclusion and book snobbery issues that follow the romance community around a little bit. Do you want to kick us off on this? Start maybe with um, some of the Twitter conversation over the course of the last week? Absolutely. Um, So if you follow some of the more prominent people on Twitter and not prominent authors, but like prominent Twitterers, um, sure. um, including the ripped bodice, you might have seen a conversation that started out with that particular bookstore um, tweeting about someone who said that they didn't read romance, but they were going to write one. And then there was sort of a spiral of the conversation about mixing things up. And someone mentioned the fact that, you know, maybe romance could do with a little bit of a mix-up. But they were talking about making it darker or not ending with a happily ever after, which, as we've talked about before, is a requirement of the genre. It's like the one requirement. (laughs) The one requirement of the genre. Um, So then probably the the conversation that, or the, the tweet that sparked my brain in one of those kind of like, yes, fist pumping, screaming kind of thing, um, was Brie, who is half of Kit Rocha, um, talking about how romance does need disrupting because we need more of those happily ever afters, not less or not fewer whichever one that one is right there. Um, mm-hmm. We need more for the people. Either way, who... I support you in, in either instance. <laughs> it's like we need more, not less, whatever works, um, mm-hmm. to, the, to the people who haven't gotten them in the past. To, to We need more than the same people getting their happily ever afters all the time. And she says we need even more equitable visions of happiness. And we need to constantly ask ourselves who is being excluded. Those are the rules to shatter. And it was like, <gasps> I just had this like moment where my heart twisted and just like, Brie, you are everything. And if you don't follow Brie, mostly Brie on Twitter, you should because she's awesome. Yeah. And we'll link to that thread in the show notes. But I think that point is so important just that romance is a place where a lot of people go because they have that guarantee of the happily ever after. Right. So that, that's just the baseline. Mm -hmm. But I think her point is so important that it needs to start to feel less unusual for us to be reading love stories about all kinds of different people, right? Like all kinds of different couples, all kinds of different pairings or more than pairings or whatever. I, I remember really distinctly one of my most distinct reading experiences of um, last year, so 2018, was reading um, a Talia Hibbert book, and I will figure out which one it was before we finish this. <laughs> I read so many of them last year. But there were a couple of things in that book. First of all, the, the heroine is... Um, She's like she's she's on the bigger end. She's like a size eighteen, size twenty, something like that. And it only comes up once in passing reference, and that you know she's sort of talking about how she has a hard time finding pants or something. And then that's just it. From then mm-hmm. on, the only mention of her appearance is how attractive the hero finds her. There's no other like it's not like she has to overcome this thing she's super confident Mm -hmm. he's way into her it's it's just like i said this very 
passing mention. There's also a few mentions of the fact that she's bisexual. And again, it's not a th- it's not hang up for either the hero or heroine. It's just a part of who she is as a character. And I remember just being so taken aback in that book by the fact that it wasn't a thing. Like, it didn't have to be a part of the character study. Like, it didn't have to just be, you know, a major deal. And that should be the way that it is with characters of all types, of all sexualities and races and cultures and sizes and religions and heights and Mm -hmm. hair color. Like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, and we've gotten, I think that is... 100% 100% the shakeup that we've started to see some of in mainstream romance publishing, but mm-hmm. boy, we could really, we could stand to see more. Absolutely. And that that's starting to sound like one a bet, but I don't know if it is. It, it wasn't. It was the, uh, I'm going to find it now. It was the one that was um, part, the sequel to A Girl Like Her. Oh, um, um, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to find it. So You're going to find it. You talk for a minute, and I'll find it. All right. So, um, absolutely. That is absolutely what we need. And if you follow Kissing Books, you notice that I will regularly share um, announcements of acquisitions to larger romance companies by authors of color, queer authors, especially if they're both. And I'm doing this so that you know that they are having books coming out soon in large mass production. Um, But they're one in a hundred announcements that might've been made that, that week, because as we know, there are thousands of romance novels published every year. Okay. Maybe not thousands, but hundreds at least. No, I think thousands (laughs) probably, honestly. If if you add it all up between Uh all of the major companies and all of the people that are publishing themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It probably is thousands. Um, And these are just a few. So if it could, like Trisha said, be more regular, more common, less surprising. Mm -hmm. um, And just like, yeah, okay. That that's that's the goal. And I know that we've seen especially Avon has been really upping their game, but that is as we saw in last year's um Ripped Bodice Diversity Report, that's still like one percent of what Avon is publishing. Maybe five, but less than ten. Yeah. And um, so Untouchable is the book that I was looking for by Talia Hubbard. Sorry, Talia Hubbard. Uh, But but I think part of the reason that I was having a hard time coming up with it is that this is a thing that she does so regularly. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that a lot of these authors that you're talking about signal boosting and talking about are doing so regularly. And while you're talking a little bit about uh, publishing, I do want to make a quick mention. Um, There was a – Amazon has a book blog. It's called Omnivorous. And it's fine, whatever. Like, <laughs> just go to Book Riot, I think. But everybody gets to live their own life. <laughs> At any rate, they published a list earlier this month. So we're recording on January 22nd. This was probably a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That was a, you know, 10 romance novels to look forward to in the first quarter of the year. So January, February, March. All of the authors, so far as I can tell, that were on that list were white. As far as I can tell, there were also no couples that were same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be really easy to sort of say, you know, oh, well, this is just one list. That's the way it goes. That's fine. Except here's the thing. This is Amazon. They are the largest bookseller in the world by a mm-hmm. significant margin. Mm-hmm. So if the way that it often works, and it's it, like my first reaction was, you would have to actively try to put together a list of romance novels that were completely heterosexual and were completely, you know, completely excluded authors of color. There are so many great books. We've talked about how many great books there are that are coming out even in the first three months of this year. Some mm-hmm. of them have already come out. Um, <laughs> and my guess is that what happened is that publishers decide you know, who they're going to send their books to. They're going to decide where to put their marketing dollars behind. They do that push. And that's fine. If you're sitting at Amazon at a desk, you know, and you're writing a newsletter, there's a good chance that 
you know, 10 out of the last 10 books that came to your office are by white authors. But I think if you're Amazon or frankly anybody, but especially Mm -hmm. Amazon, you have a responsibility to find a more diverse selection of books because the way that it's going to go is that publishers are going to say, well, nobody buys books that are more inclusive or diverse or whatever. And the reason that nobody buys them is because Amazon is not promoting them. So (laughs) if nobody knows where to get the books and then the publishers are going to assume, like, it's just this weird, awful cycle. Mm -hmm. I like started like four different book riot pieces about this because it just kept making me so angry that I had to walk away. But (laughs) but like, that's the thing. It's this like really awful perpetuating and no one person is responsible. Like no. And I'm honestly, I'm not going to link to this post in the show notes because it doesn't need the clicks and like Amazon doesn't need the promo. So, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of authors actually that are on this list that are great that I'm really excited about their books. Mm Mm-hmm. But also there are a lot of authors that are great that I'm really excited about their books that are not on this list. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to keep being this awful cycle until, you know, all of us who are certainly in the reviewing and writing community, but also readers start to take some responsibility to make sure that what they're reading is more inclusive. And honestly, it makes for better reading. It like, it's just more fun. Mm-hmm. There's so much fun. Which <sighs> is a thing uh, I feel like. You and um, others have had to explain to some of the folks doing the Read Harder Challenge, Jess. I I actually <clears throat> did not step into most of those conversations. I just sort of sat back and uh, sucked my teeth a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So for context, and we talked about the Read Harder Challenge a little bit two weeks ago, but uh, there is one of the challenges of the 24 and there's usually the last few years, um, to the great credit of Rachel Manuel, who puts this together, who's amazing mm-hmm. and so smart and fun and great. So she wanted, she has put a romance book of some kind or another on mm-hmm. the challenge every year for the last few years. And the one this year is reading an historical romance by an author of color, mm-hmm. which if you listen to this podcast, you know, is so easy and will like absolutely contribute to your reading life in so many different ways. Absolutely. And you've probably got quite a list already. (laughs) Exactly. Unfortunately, it seems that some of the people who are uh, doing the Read Hard Challenge are not listeners to When in Romance, Jess. They are not. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. shameful. (laughs) So shameful. So what kinds of reactions did you as a librarian observe on the uh, on the Read Harder, you know, Goodreads page or whatever it was? So this has mostly been happening on the in the Read Harder Goodreads group. And yes, if you do listen to that, if you do listen to this and you are somehow in that conversation, I am either saluting you or calling you out directly. Um, <laughs> You'll know and, which. And there was there was there was mixed reaction because there are people who have this phrase that boggles my mind when I see it on Twitter, when I see it on Goodreads, when I hear it on the street. And that phrase is, I'll read anything but romance. And so, okay, we'll we'll make this caveat. If for some reason you just do not like stories where people fall in love and get to stay in it at the end, like if that is not a thing that you enjoy reading, that's cool. Do not read romance because you will not enjoy it at all. But... That should be the absolute only parameter. And that's going to box out a lot of books also outside romance. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of books that are not under the big capital R romance genre that you wouldn't want to read either. That's cool. I'm Mm -hmm. cool with that. But if you're anything but romance isn't because of that, then um, we'll probably need to have a conversation about why that is. And the the conversation on Goodreads kind of it's really long because people have a lot of thoughts. And it's if you're doing Read Harder, I do su- suggest joining that group because people have some good recommendations in almost every other category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are some people who are trying really hard not to read a capital R romance novel. And saying, and you know, as Rachel has said, as she's posted the Read Harder Challenge, that you're doing this for you. You can say what you're going to put on whatever line. We are not giving you a grade for it. Um, but if you're if you're trying, you're not going to say 
I'm going to read the color purple because that qualifies for this. No. no. Um, and I'm thinking mostly about that one because I remember reading it in the group and I read it last year for the second time and do um, it's not a romance. And while it's, not a romance. it's well, I mean, it, it ends not badly. That is not the like the only thing that romances have. Um, and also, I feel like Alice Walker would probably have words. Mm. But anyway, um, and that's not the only book of the lit fic persuasion that whose title was thrown out. There are even books that fall nowhere near under the parameters of romance, like anything written by Milan Kundera. I mean, anyway, um, yes, I have read books by people who don't write romance and I can tell you when they're not going to be romance. Um, yeah, but, and and you know what? Credit to all of the folks who actually are, and this is probably a lot of you. So thank you. Making great suggestions. In the Goodread groups, people are talking about An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole. They're talking about all Mm -hmm. of the Beverly Jenkins books that are amazing. They're talking about The Duchess War by Courtney Milan. Um, I'm putting together a list that will come out in the next month or two of um, great books that fit this category. And I've been talking with the the other romance writers on Book Riot about it. So we'll have a good collection of books. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to be the kind of book snob, frankly, I will call it what it is, who is – as Jess said, willing to read anything except romance without really knowing enough about the genre to make that distinction. Like, why are you doing the challenge? Honestly, like, why are you even a part of the Goodreads group if you're just going to shoot down or t- like if you're looking for workarounds in any category? Yes. Then yes. Why are why are you doing it? Like, I, just why why are you even bothering? Frankly, I don't know. Like, just don't do it. I don't. Yeah. Just say, I'm not going to complete it this year. Yeah. And leave all of us like happy, inclusive, broad, interesting readers to ourselves. Yeah. I said it. We salute you for reading authors of color, at least. Yes. But if, if the, if the task is to read a romance, yeah, please read a romance. We can tell you all about them. And I think too, like there is something to, yes, absolutely. We, um, are, very happy to salute anybody who is excited about reading authors of color. But also keep in mind, there are a lot of really great female and, you know, in some cases like non-gender binary or non, you know, heterosexual or non-cis writers who are writing romance. And that's where they found an outlet. Like there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are not able or willing or interested in publishing elsewhere who are publishing romance. And those people are not getting nearly enough attention, to be clear. Like it's, like we mm-hmm. said before, there's a lot of things that the romance community has to work out. But if you are very purposely shutting down your access to this huge community of female and non-binary authors and authors of color, like, I, again, maybe just consider where your biases lie. Isn't that always the thing that we need to do in every case? Going all the way back to the beginning of this particular conversation, just consider where your biases lie. I think if every person involved in every bit of the steps that we've taken to get to this part um, could do that, then the whole of publishing and the whole of the romance community, readers, writers, and others... I guess there's, I mean, you know what yeah. I mean. Um, let's just have a better time at yeah. it. Like we would, we would have such a broader understanding of human nature. I think. And also these books are great. That's the other thing that's so, so infuriating. Great. Like, oh, cool. It's like when I was talking two weeks ago about how one of my resolutions is to read more queer authors. And I was like, it feels like, you know, taking a resolution to eat more candy. Like, okay, <laughs> listen, you don't want to eat candy. That's fine. That's on you. I'll eat all the candy. Yeah, that's that's like I've been eating chocolate so long. I'm gonna have a bowl of Jolly Ranchers every day. I mean, you know what? Live your best <laughs> life, Jess. Live your best life. <laughs> Speaking of living uh, your best life, our and this is you know I, I think uh, I'm gonna do my best in transitioning this. 
Our second um, sponsor for this episode is actually the same as the first. It is Avon's KissCon <laughs> Week on Waken Affair. Uh, as Jess mentioned, you can pucker up and whatnot. There is a weekend-long KissCon <laughs> event. So I will say this is – so KissCon has been going on for a while, but it has been more of a regional conference. As far as I know, mm-hmm. this is the first time that this event has been national, and there are mm-hmm. over 30 authors, um, people that we are talking about all the time. Um, Sarah McLean, Beverly Jenkins, Eloisa James, um, Jennifer Ryan, Jill Chavez, Sally Thorne, who people are super excited about her new book. I need to take a look at that one. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think there are even people beyond this. I was looking at the list on the website. I think it's even more impressive than you think, right? Like I think Mia Sosa is going to be there and Lori Foster and Eva Lee and or Ava Lee, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Eva Lee. Um, I will. I also. She's also Zoe Archer. So um, it's, yeah. it's confusing. It's oh, Cat Sebastian, who we've talked about a thousand times. Alyssa Cole, mm-hmm. Alicia Rye, Tracy Livesay is going to be at this. Actually, I am now even more seriously considering making my way up. <laughs> to, I'm going to. Um, I'm starting a what I'm calling sabbatical, uh, or about a week or two before this, and I may have to spend some sabbatical time uh, at KissCon. Just like overnight. This looks super fun. It, mm. it does look a, like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. And now apparently you'll also see Trisha. I mean, you might. <laughs> Listen, if you guys are going to go, if you all are going to be there, oh, Sonali Dev is going to be there, Jess. Oh, man. Okay. So if you all are going to go, let me know because I am increasingly thinking, oh, there's an ice cream social. Sorry. I'm looking at the... Um, <laughs> Listen, I need to go to more ice cream socials in my adult life. I Okay, I'm very excited about this now. I was already like <laughs> excited about it, but sort of resigned to the fact that I probably couldn't get there. But frankly, maybe I can. We'll see. So if you are going to go, let me know that you're going because I may need to make my way there also. Here's the thing. It's not about me. It's about all of us. You should hurry because tickets are going fast. There is a discount hotel block. Um, you can register at kisscon.org. The um, link will be in our show notes, of course. Uh, and Jess gave you all the social information earlier. But, yeah, it does look like it's going to be pretty great. As a reminder, it is happening uh, April 5th through 7th. It's in Chicago. I might be there. I don't know. A lot's going on. <laughs> Maybe we'll convince Jess between now and then. I don't know, everyone. Let's see what happens. <laughs> So that, again, is KissCon. Huge thanks to them um, for sponsoring this uh, episode of the podcast. And, God, we have the most dangerous ad spots. And also for potentially making me go to KissCon. So, great. Avon KissCon Weekend Affair. Tickets start at $75. Link is in the show notes. The end. Absolutely. Trisha Brown. Yeah. Always making us feel better. Yeah. (laughs) The end for now. We'll check back in in a couple of weeks and see how it is. Um, Okay. So, Jess... How do you feel about romance novellas? I I have discovered that I really, really love them. Yeah. I wasn't sure a couple of years ago when they like you started to see a slew of novellas, both in um traditional publishing and in um self publishing, because I was worried that something that short couldn't be as satisfying. Mm-hmm. But I, they have really grown on me, especially this year when I've only been able to like snatch time to read for me as I've been reading for this enormous um, book committee job that I will finally be done with. I've loved it. I'm not going to say that it's been terrible, but it hasn't been in romance, so I... I haven't been reading as much romance, so I'm just excited to read more romance. What Jess is not saying explicitly is that she's a really big deal and she's part of a committee that is done in a week. So she's a really big deal <laughs> as a librarian and human. So anyway, um, but you are right. Actually, the fact that not just you were short on time, but a lot of people are short on time and a lot of folks have made resolutions to read more in the new year or read more romance or as you mentioned and i am very jealous of this resolution read more and different authors um Mm -hmm. novellas are a really kind of interesting way to do that like you can get exposure Mm -hmm. to a lot of different authors or a lot of different genres subgenres rather um you can kind of if you are actually this is a thing that i see people doing a lot when there's like a weekend challenge like the 24 and 48 challenge or some kind of a uh-huh. reading challenge where people are trying to 
churn through either a lot of pages or a lot of books or just dedicate a lot of time to reading, you start to see shorter books, whether they're graphic novels or short stories or um, novellas or whatever. And so Jess and I were talking a little bit about what makes for a good novella. And I have a couple, I have some notes on this, Jess. I don't know if you have initially anything that you would want to start with that what you look for in a novella. I have a few criteria, but I, I will let you start if you have any thoughts or ideas or feelings. I, I mean, I have, I have a few feelings. Um, I think the most important thing is that it's a, it uses time and space as well as a full length novel. And I found some authors who have been really good at that, even if it doesn't take place over a really long period of time. Like last podcast, I mentioned Naima Simone's um, Only for a Night mm -hmm. or Only for One Night. I can't remember if it's a uh, or one, um, but that literally takes place over the course of like 24 hours. And it is one of the tightest stories that I have read in a long time. Yeah. That's one of the ones that I had too, is that the timing is often it's often a short timeline, whether it's a few weeks or a few days or whatever, which I think tends to lead a little bit more to that sort of like insta-love phenomenon that we sometimes talk about where two people who have only known each other mm -hmm. for 72 hours suddenly are sure that they want to commit their entire lives to each other. And so <laughs> when an author is able to kind of navigate that in an interesting way or a unique way, um, I offer a lot of credit to that. I also think novellas are more inclined toward, we always talk about the HEA, the happy ever after, happily ever after. Mm -hmm. I think the HFN, which is happily for now, oh, which is yeah. like kind of the, this is going to end happily for now element is maybe a little bit more common in a novella because it does maybe happen over the course of two weeks. And so mm -hmm. you get the happy ending, but these people have only known each other for two weeks. So we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know how it's going to go. I will also say, too, one of my big things with a novella is that it has to be able to completely and entirely stand alone. So Absolutely. a lot of romance has novellas, which I was kind of defining as maybe like less than 200 pages. A lot of them are less than 100 or certainly less than 150. Um, mm -hmm. But I, a lot of them are tied to other series, right? So mm -hmm. um, Alyssa Cole just came out with a book um, that is a novella. And Alyssa Cole is like the queen of this. She is so good at writing romance novellas. Um, she is. And it, like I – in her newest book um, – oh, I feel awful. I can't think of the name. Once Ghosted, Twice Shy. Thank you, Jess. Once Ghosted, Twice Shy is connected to her <laughs> Princess in Theory um, – series. She's written a lot of standalone novellas also. But the thing is that a, a you have to be able to, I think, pick up a novella, whether it's connected to a series or not, read it and not feel like you're missing out if you don't know who the other mm -hmm. character references are. Right. Yeah. And that's a Absolutely. hard thing to do because I've also read novellas where I hadn't read anything else in the series and I kept thinking like, this is cool, but I don't know who nine of these people are and I feel like I'm supposed to. <laughs> So for me, that's a really big, like it can be connected to a series. That's fine. As long as it mm -hmm. can legitimately stand alone. Absolutely. And part of that is character development. Like I, I too have read, you know, um, mid-series novellas that in, might even be about people who you've met in a previous book, like yep. Once Ghosted, Twice Shy. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't need to have read those books to understand the character and get to know them um, and uh, really understand their their goals and their directions and root for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there are some where they're almost written like fan fiction where they they take the character from another series, a side character, mm -hmm. a supporting character, and we just sort of have to know who they are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's good, too, if we're reading the whole series straight mm -hmm. through. That's fine. That's easy. But um, it's hard for someone to pick one up. Yeah. And people will sometimes say, oh, this series or this book or this novella or whatever can stand alone. And maybe it can, but it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Like, it's yeah. not a, like you need to be able to tell the full story that, you know, works within 100 or 150 pages. And 
that cannot, it's not always easy to do, especially with any depth, but there are, I don't know. I feel like we might have some examples of where people mm-hmm. have done it well. I think we probably do. Uh, would you like to start? I would. Um, and actually this is a great example of a completely mid series novella that I think I actually read first. <laughs> Um, and then went back to the others in the series and just mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. And that is Her Every Wish by Courtney Milan, um, which is in, is the, the like one and a half book, I think, in uh, the Worth Saga. And we meet Daisy, the, the heroine of this novel, in Once Upon a Marquis. Um, and I think we might actually meet, oh gosh, what is his name? Chance? same chance let's say it is and i'll check into it (laughs) all right um it's something like that Uh, but we don't really know anything about them and then we do learn things about them and in this particular situation it's not they haven't they just met it's something happened a while ago and they stopped talking so let's figure out what that is and move on from that. And mm-hmm. that's actually, I really like that kind of novella because it, it sort of sets up, sets up the scene, excuse me, in a way where there isn't going to be insta love because something has already happened. Maybe they're already in love and pining. Like, I love novellas like that too. That's like my only kind of second chance romance that I actually really like. It's like, they don't know they're in love, but they are. They really are. Aww. Side note, his name is Crash. Crash. I knew it was a C Which is and like a kind of amazing. I know. <laughs> I knew it wasn't chance. Uh, sorry, Courtney. Like I was already interested in this book and now I'm all in on this book because I mean, come on. Like that's amazing. So it's just it it's it takes place. Actually, this one takes place over a longer course of time, Um, but we have the setup of them sort of pining for each other behind each other's backs, and then they have to be, um, they have to be together for some reason. But also, the thing I love about this book is Daisy herself. Um, It's Daisy, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that part is 100% accurate. Um, Because she has a goal, and she doesn't care what she has to do to reach that goal. And and she just figures it out and says, screw you to all of the men. I'm saying that with the capital M and sigh that you can hear in my voice. Sure. um, That try to deter her from reaching that goal. And it's just great. Um, And it's not very long. And if you read that before reading both Once Upon a Marquis and After the Wedding, you will immediately want to read those two. So there's that as well. So there it is. Her Every Wish by Courtney Milan. Uh, So my first pick was a book called Craving Flight by Tamsin Parker, which I think I may have made passing reference to um, on this show before. Tamsin Parker is... A an author that we should, I think, probably be talking about more in romance generally, but definitely more in erotic romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and Craving Flight's probably on the long end of novella. It's 183 pages, so it's a little bit longer, but it still is. I don't know. I feel I feel good about the about the pick. It's there's a um, a, a thread of Orthodox Judaism that runs through it and actually kind of centers it, which is. Really, really interesting. So the heroine's uh, 37 years old. She's a divorcee. And part of what caused her divorce was her interest in moving in more to Orthodox Judaism from Mm. um, just a more conservative thread of it than she had been in. And through sort of an arranged marriage, she ends up marrying a widower who has been part of the Orthodox community for his entire life. The other thing that sort of led to the end of her marriage was the fact that she's very uh, sort of invested in and interested in the BDSM community. And Hmm. so there's this kind of, I don't, it's, there's a lot of depth in this for a novella, um, wherein the couple, like I said, it's kind of an organized marriage in that, you know, they both obviously agreed to it. Like that's not a, and I don't mean for that to have any kind of negative connotation. They both were looking for someone to help them arrange it and figure it out. And, um, 
they did. And so then they just end up married very early on and they find this really deep level of trust and intimacy in their sex life that they're not able to find as easily in kind of their day-to-day life with um, his family or, you know, her friends or, or anybody else. And so, like I said, there's a lot of really interesting depth in this. And I'm not sure that, I don't know that Tamsin Parker, she may not actually be Jewish, but I think she had input and beta readers from the Jewish community. And actually, um, Sarah Wendell, I think is who recommended this book to me and, uh, from smart bitches, trashy books. And, um, she's practicing Jewish. And so I, you know, she was very much on board. So all that to say, I can't, I am not a Jewish reader. I cannot speak to it from that perspective, but people that I, um, trust and have heard from who have read it from that perspective have very much been on board. So Craving Flight by Tamsin Parker, or really anything by her, but this book in particular is uh, two thumbs up from me. Awesome. I just put that on my want to read list. Um, oh, it's so good. You know, another thing about novellas is that sometimes authors just write series of novellas. So I couldn't pick one out of this series. So I'm just going to say the entire Welcome to Seaport, uh, I think we'll call it a trilogy plus, um, by Katrina Jackson. Um, oh, yeah. The first one is From Scratch, and it's actually a little longer than a novella. It's a little over 200 pages, um, but it reads really quick. And the other two in the series are under 200 pages. Um, and I really couldn't pick one. So I was like, just the whole series. And From Scratch sort of sets the scene for this town, Seaport. Um, and it it is um, a polyfidelicious, polyamorous um, romance between a new woman who's moved to town to start a bakery um, and a police officer and a fireman who already sort of had feelings for each other, but were really just bros until they thought about it a little more. Um, so <laughs> it's it's like pretty low angst. So this is one of those that has a, a really good story arc. It's complete and all of that, but it's not like amp up the drama and then slow release. It's like, oh, hey, look, we all find each other attractive. Let's see what happens. And... It happens. And it happens. Um, and it happens. And we meet a lot of awesome seaport people along the way. And then we get to see them get their love stories in later books Aww. that are also brief enough to read in a sitting or two. I think that's lovely. Isn't it, though? Indeed, it is. Uh, <laughs> so I will put it for my second pick a book called, um, or a novella called Ghost by Robin Covington. And that one is on this sort of very much the novella side, maybe even on the short side of the Nova. I I don't know what, we don't know what the rules are. It's like 80 pages. I don't know. The point is, um, so this one is, uh, a male, male romance. Um, that's a little bit of a second chance romance in that, Mm. um, the, uh, one of the characters, well, they both hook up Oliver and, um, Gareth hook up early on in the prologue. They don't see each other for three years. And then uh, it turns out that Gareth is also known as G, who is this huge, big deal, mysterious uh, comic book illustrator, or sorry, graphic novel yeah. illustrator, and and writer as well. And Ooh. he and Oliver, who hooked up and then, like, ghosted on him, like, left while he was sleeping three years ago, <laughs> is trying to sign him to a publishing deal because he is a big deal uh, comic you know, publisher. And one of the things that's really great about this book is that it does um, – like it, it pays a lot of service to uh, graphic novels and comics. And um, there's clearly a love of books and novel, graphic novels and what they can do for people uh, throughout. But it's just a very fun um, kind of book – very uh, scandalous at parts, um, but it's it really does tell a complete story. And this is the example, Jess, of what we were talking about earlier, where this whole story takes place in the course of three or four days. But because Robin Covington has set it up as a sort of second chance situation, it, it doesn't feel 
quite as manufactured, I think, as sometimes that mm. sort of thing can feel. Um, so anyway, it was, it's like, it's a very fun. Um, I think it was, it looks like it was previously published in a different anthology called the exposed anthology. Um, but I uh. had found it separate from that and, uh, it's only 99 cents on Kindle. So whatever, live your best life, everybody. Something to think about maybe, maybe track down ghost by Robin Covington. And make sure you always listen all the way through because I had the exposed anthology and still just bought that book. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's 99 cents, Jess. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. It'll be fine. <laughs> Um, but hey, always give Robin Covington money, right? It's true, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I suffered another can't make decision experience trying to think of a third novella. Um, as you all know, I have trouble with that. So I'm just going to say all of the rogue anthologies, but particularly the most recent one, volume six, Rogue Knights. Um, it has novellas by Talia Hibbert, Annabeth Albert, Shay Connor, Hudson Lynn, Ainsley Booth, Rebecca Crowley, and Robin Covington. As just discussed. Um, as just discussed. Not the same one. <laughs> not the same book, but the same Robin Covington. The same the same Robin Covington, yes. yes. Um, and the amazing thing about all of these these rogue collections is that they they were sparked out of the sort of um, writer-activist movement of 2016 that we all got behind. And they are all about people somehow involved in activism of some sort. It might not always be on the national stage. They might not always be people who are out there with signs and surrounded by people. But they're all doing something, some little thing to make a difference. And it's just... It's an amazing collection of what is now almost 30 novellas. So if you have time to just sit down and read all six anthologies, and I think they are continuing to produce them, um, that's awesome. This particular volume, like I mentioned, has a few of my favorite novella authors. Um, So I'm particularly going to point out Um, The first novella in Rogue Nights is called Resisting Desire by Talia Hibbert. Um, And it features an activist journalist and her brother's best friend. Oops. Um, What? So so we've got that. And there are just there's so many amazing stories in, in across the board. Like the first one. In the first volume, the first book is um, in the book. It's called Grassroots, but it was republished um, under the name uh, "Loving the Secret Billionaire," which sort of yes. takes away the whole thing. The whole fact that the the heroine is a canvasser and like running grassroots, running for office, like that's cool. But you know, do what you want. <laughs> Loving this um, Secret Billionaire is great. It was almost on my list. By Adriana really Anders, by the way. I could not think of her name. I'm so sorry, Adriana Anders, but I was looking at Annabeth Albert's name and knew that wasn't yours. Oh. So that's something. I had to Google like four things on this episode, so I think that's very fair. Um, so, yeah. Rogue Knights, if you want to start at the end. Mm-hmm. And Rogue Desire... If you want to start at the beginning. So, and like I said, there are six. Yeah. Uh, so no matter where you want to start, I say by all means. Um, I'm just going to give a quick shout out uh, because we are actually trying to do a better job of staying in time. To a novel oh, yeah, I we read were, this weekend we? called The Seals Rebel Librarian. And I don't remember why this book was on my uh, Amazon, my, my Kindle but it was. And so when I was searching for novellas, I was like, well, I have to read The Seals Rebel Librarian by Anne Calhoun. <laughs> um, and frankly, I thought it was delightful. It actually does a lot of the things wrong that we say things should do. Like there's definitely an insta love situation. At the very <laughs> end, there's a decision made that you kind of think like there's no way that it happens in regular life. <laughs> but uh, so Aaron is the, the librarian. And she has just gone through a divorce and she wants to, and she's been through the, you know, it's been a couple of years. She wants to 
be more adventurous and do more cool things and go skydiving and ride a motorcycle. And so Jack, who is the seal to her rebel <laughs> librarian, uh, is willing and able and excited to help her do all of those things. And, you know, yeah, there are definitely moments, a lot of moments, most moments in this book where you have to suspend a little bit of disbelief. But <laughs> it's fun and it's delightful. And that's the great thing about a novella is that you're only, I only invested like an hour and a half in this book and I ended up happier for it. So <laughs> I'm not, ending, you know, putting six hours in and thinking that I need for my life to make me a better person. I just had fun. I read a book. I liked both of these people. They had some hot sex and then rode motorcycles and it was great. So, <laughs> so that is The Seals Rebel Librarian by Anne Calhoun. It was delightful. Um, and so you should go find it someplace. That that sounds absolutely delightful. And that is how we end our novella recommendation section of this episode of When in Romance. Absolutely. Trisha with four and me with 80. I mean, you know, I think I only had three. So I'm glad that you had 80 to make up the difference. That was really helpful, Jess. You're so good. Yeah. You're so good at things. Um, Counting is one of them. Well done. And we do, we are looking to do another one in romance book club. Um, we've got a couple of people asking about that early in 2019. And so if you have book recommendations, please don't hesitate to let us know. We're hoping to have a list for you to choose from by our next episode. So, um, tweet us, put them in show notes, uh, comments or Instagram or whatever else email. I don't know, Jess, how should people send you their picks for, a book club book. Well, if you want you want it to be public and maybe like post a poll or something, you can always find me on Twitter at Jess's Reading, all one word. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Jess's Reading with underscores. Jess underscore is underscore reading. Underscore. Just kidding. There's not really an underscore <laughs> there. I'm just like saying that. Um, and I am at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram and at Trisha Haley Brown with no O on Twitter for uh, Twitter. the backstory there. You'll have to listen back to old episodes. Um, you can also get me at Trisha at Riot New Media, but all of this, and you are at, you are Jessica. Jessica at Riot New Media. But yep. all of this will be in the show notes. So you can let us know uh, what you think about novellas, how you feel about the Read Harder Challenge. You know, whatever you want to tell us, we are absolutely, we're very ready to listen. Um, and Jess, happy potiversary. Happy potiversary. And happy potiversary to all of you. Happy potiversary and happy reading. And happy reading. So long, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>